Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Hello, Bayside. I hope you are doing good and that the year has started really well for you. Hard to believe we're into February already. Uh, we had a really good start to the year ourselves. Our kids have all grown up. You know, it's funny when we were younger, Nicole and I would often be in the church foyer and uh, with our three little ones and the oldies would come up and go, oh, enjoy them while they're young, they grow quickly. And, you know, we kind of laugh back then, but they were right. They sure do grow. And so our oldest is 32, second son's 30, daughter's 28. So they have grown up. And wow, where did the years go? Uh, our youngest daughter, Natasha, got married just after Christmas. And so that was a really lovely time. Got to walk her down the aisle, do the father-daughter dance, which was wonderful. And then just a week ago, our second grandchild arrived. So we now have a grandson. His name is Ivor, and we are besotted. Uh, I heard someone say, grandkids are God's gift to you for not killing your own kids. <laughs> and so we're enjoying all of our family and uh, also being grandkids. What's great is you can hand them back after you've looked after them, which is really, really nice. So that's a little bit about our family. Uh, I hear the New Year Restart teaching series been going really well. And so great to be able to participate in that today. You know, life change and spiritual growth is really a partnership between God and us. It's not all God and it's not all us. It's something that happens together. We work out our salvation and God works in us. Uh, I compare it to the difference between rowing and sailing. You know, if you've got a lake, you can row across the lake and it's pretty effective, but uh, you get a little bit tired. It's all about your effort. Sailing is very different. You know, sailing, there's some things you can do. You've got to get out on the water. You've got to get the sail up. But how many know if the wind isn't blowing, you're not going anywhere. But if the wind blows and you catch that wind in your sails, uh, that's a pretty dynamic experience. And I think spiritual growth is a bit like that. There's some things we can do. We've got to get out on the water. We've got to get the sails up. But it's the Holy Spirit that, like that wind, brings about transformation, brings about change in our lives. And so that's the partnership. Uh, Paul uh, wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 verse 7. It says, train yourself to be godly or like Jesus. Notice the word train. Uh, Paul didn't say try to be godly. <laughs> Have you ever tried to be like Jesus? Pretty impossible. Uh, ever tried loving your enemies? Yeah, you, you cannot, by trying alone, become like Jesus. Just like you can't run a marathon or play the piano or, or learn a language just by trying. Trying only gets you so far. But training enables you to do what you cannot do by willpower alone. Through training, you can learn to run a marathon. Through training, you can learn an instrument or, or a new language. And so uh, becoming like Jesus is a life of training. In fact, the Greek word for training there is the word gymnazo, from which we get the word gymnastics. And so what Paul's saying to Timothy is, Enter a life of training and engage in a variety of spiritual exercises, spiritual disciplines that will help you to be transformed. And so spiritual disciplines are not things that we do to earn God's favor. God already loves us. He uh, loved us even when we were his enemies. Uh, no, he loves us as his children. And so disciplines aren't things that we do to earn God's favor. They're also not a, a measure of spiritual maturity. <laughs> the question isn't, you know, how many minutes did you spend in prayer this week or how much of the Bible did you read? No, the issue is, are you becoming more like Jesus? 
That's the question, and that's the purpose of all of these spiritual disciplines and spiritual exercises, is that we would position ourselves for the Holy Spirit to change us, and the outcome is for us to be more like Jesus, more loving, more kind, more gracious, more truthful, more compassionate. That's the purpose of all of these disciplines. And so if you're uh, listening today for the first time or visiting, then uh, be sure to go back and listen to some of the earlier messages in the series. Uh, Today, we're going to look at a very important spiritual discipline, and it's that of Sabbath rest. And so I'd like to begin by reading a story uh, in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28, reading from the New Living Translation. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And so Jesus very clearly says to the Pharisees who are criticizing him once again, he says the Sabbath, Sabbath rest was made for the benefit of the people. People weren't made to keep all the laws and requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, God's intention for introducing the Sabbath day or this principle of Sabbath rest was for our own benefit. Uh, Sadly, the religious leaders of Jesus' day had turned it into a whole bunch of rules and traditions that people were meant to keep. The meaning of the word Sabbath literally is to pause, to stop, to cease. And it is founded in God's rest. Remember the six days of creation. God worked creating this amazing universe. And on the seventh day, we're told that God rested from all of his work. And he declared the seventh day as holy, as sacred, as blessed. And then this principle is reinforced in the fourth commandment, Exodus 20 verses 8 to 10, uh, where God commanded all of his people to work for six days and then to rest on the Sabbath. So it's forbidding laziness. It doesn't say rest for seven days. We're all to work if we're able to and to contribute and serve and make the world a better place. So we're to work. But then there's this principle of rest, avoiding being a a workaholic who never stops working, who never stops, uh, who never slows down. And so both work and rest are ordained by God. And the day of rest, that Sabbath, was a reminder to people that while they stopped, God was still in control. God was still running the universe. It's not dependent on you or I. And so Sabbath uh, for the Old Testament uh, Israelites was a day of rest. And violating it was was a serious offense. Uh, It was a joyous but a holy day, a day of spiritual refreshment for community worship, prayer, And contemplation. And so you move into the New Testament, Jesus and his disciples and the early Christians, because they were Jewish, observed the Sabbath on a weekly basis. Later in the first century, Sunday seems to emerge as a time when Christians chose to celebrate the Lord's resurrection and it became known as the Lord's Day. 
And so uh, when, when some of the Jewish teachers tried to get the new Christians to keep all the strict uh, requirements of the Sabbath, as you know, Paul uh, opposed them intentionally. Uh, he, he taught that for the new covenant believer, uh, we, we serve the Lord every day of the week. And so debates about whether it's Saturday or Sunday or the Sabbath or the Lord's Day, uh, Paul was very clear that every day is holy to the Lord and we are to live daily for him, pleasing him in all we do. And so for us today, I don't think we need to keep a literal Sabbath, whether that be Saturday or whether it be Sunday. Um, I think the principle, however, is there for us, but we don't need the rigidity of it. Uh, the principle of the Sabbath rest, I think, is relevant for all of us. And I love Jesus' comments here that the Sabbath is actually a gift from God for us. It's not something we keep to please God. It's a gift for our own benefit. Just reflecting on this, uh, um, for those of you that are a little bit older like me, I, I wonder what Sunday was like for you as a kid growing up. You know, I, um, I was born in 61, which makes me 60 years of age, just to save you the math. But uh, back in the 60s and 70s, here in Australia, um, nothing happened much on Sunday. All the shops were closed. There were no restaurants open. There was no sport on Sunday. For me growing up, we went to church three times in the morning <laughs> to a local church in Waverley. And then we went to a combined meeting in the afternoon down in Canterbury and then back to church again at night. So it wasn't much of a rest, three church services. But, you know, for me growing up, my parents were Pentecostal holiness tradition and before that Presbyterian. And so uh, we did no jobs on Sunday. And my dad made sure the lawns were mowed. Everything happened on Saturday. Sunday was a day of rest. We did no work. Uh, no jobs were to be done on Sunday. And so it's interesting reflecting on that. I don't know if you remember those days. Uh, now, of course, in today's culture, Sunday is pretty much like any other day. Uh, everything goes 24-7. Uh, and so there's not much difference between Sunday and any other day. And so it's interesting to reflect on that. Uh, maybe there's some gains in that change, but maybe we've also lost something, particularly around this principle of the Sabbath. And so let, let me just share with you a couple of thoughts or suggestions of how you can embrace and benefit from this Sabbath principle. Uh, it's pretty hard nowadays to get one full day of rest. And so in many, in many ways, we have to apply this principle throughout the week and maybe grab some Sabbath moments every day or on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. It's like the principle's got to be applied within your unique environment. And so let me just share a few things that I think we can glean from the Sabbath principle to apply to our days, our lives today. Uh, firstly, is just to make church gatherings a priority. It's interesting as you study the Sabbath in the Bible, one of the things they did uh, is they gathered together with other people of faith for, for worship and to hear teaching from God's word and for fellowship. Uh, you, know, you know, Jesus himself attended the synagogue every Sabbath and often participated in the meeting. Luke 4 verse 16 says this, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus had a custom, he had a habit, had a ritual or a routine of gathering with the community of faith. And so if Jesus needed to do that, 
uh, then we also can benefit from making church gatherings a priority. It doesn't say Jesus went when he was speaking or when Rabbi so-and-so was on or when the weather was good. No, he just had a habit, this custom of gathering with believers. And so the early church did the same. Acts 2, we don't know much about the songs they sung or what they did with the kids or how long their meetings were, but they gathered in the temple a large gathering, and they gathered in their homes. And so I think there's a benefit there, whether it's gathering in your small group together online or in person or coming to a Sunday meeting or joining Bayside online. There's just something powerful about getting together with other believers. It's actually really good for you, refreshes you, helps to center you and to ground you. Uh, You know, I think of a, a fire made up of many coals, Uh, If you have one coal of fire kind of roll off by itself, uh, it doesn't take too long before that fire goes out. But when you put all the coals together, there's a a synergy. There's a self-sustaining aspect to the coals being together. I think it's a bit like that. You know, if you just drift off by yourself and you're not having any fellowship with any other followers of Jesus, it's easy for that fire and passion to die out. But when you gather with others (laughs) in whatever format that may be, it's a bit of a fire lighting event. I'm encouraged by you today. Hopefully you're um, encouraged by what I'm sharing. There's this mutuality. I think that's part of Sabbath rest is just making a commitment to gather with believers on a regular basis. Uh, A second thing in applying Sabbath rest is to spend time reading and meditating on God's word. You know, the Sabbath was a time where they read the Torah or read the scriptures and they took time to think about God's laws and God's wisdom for living. Jesus himself, who was the word in human form, even at the age of 12, he was down at the temple discussing with the the elders and the leaders and the the teachers there about the scriptures, about God's ways. Uh, the, The early church, they spent time looking at God's word. Paul tells us that the Bible is inspired, breathed into by God, and it's profitable for teaching and correction and instruction in righteousness. In other words, it shows us how to live. It corrects us when we get off track and it helps us learn so that we grow in wisdom. And so uh, part of your Sabbath keeping could just be taking a little time to open God's word and say, God, speak to me today. Give me wisdom. Give me insight and direction for my life. Another way to implement Sabbath is to create special times for your family and friends. You know, the Sabbath was a time to get together with those that are most important in your life, family and friends, spending the day together. Jesus did this. He loved the crowds, but he had a small group of people that he did life with. And they spent time, you know, walking along the road, out on the boat, on the lake, eating a meal together. Again, in the early church, Acts 2, they spent time not just in meetings, but in fellowship, in sharing and opening their hearts to one another, talking about their lives. And, you know, life really is about relationships. There's a lot of tasks to be done. There's a lot of projects to engage in, but it's about relationships. And so one way to implement the Sabbath principle is just to make sure we're not doing all the time. Just to draw some finish lines for work at the end of the day, do you have a finish line? At the end of the week, do you have a a finish line for the work week so you can then stop and and spend some time with people that are important in your life? You know, we talk about quality time, but quality time tends to happen in quantity of time. You can't sit down with your teenager and say, OK, I've got five minutes. Let's have some quality time. Well, no, the quality time tends to happen in the quantity of time. And so don't be so busy you don't have time for those 
important people in your life. No one on their deathbed ever said, I wish I spent more time at the office. <laughs> if anything, people regret not spending enough time with their family, with their friends, with the important people in their life. And so Sabbath includes just pausing <laughs> all the tasks, all the projects, all the email, all the things that need to be done and just being a human being, just being present with people in your life. A couple more. Uh, making time for rest and relaxation. The Sabbath was a time to rest and relax from the busyness of the work week. Uh, God didn't design you or me to work continuously uh, without any rest. Resting is like refueling. <laughs> and so even God worked for six days and then he rested on the seventh. Jesus, in all the busyness of his ministry, so many needs, so many people to be helped and, and, and taught, he took time to pull aside, to rest, to sleep. And so he was aware of his physical limitations and took time for that rest. And, and we need to do the same. Uh, I think I've shared with you before, you know, quite a number of years ago, I had a, a six-month kind of valley of burnout, which would be described as adrenaline exhaustion. I was living at a pace that wasn't sustainable. I'd go to India with a team from our church and we'd be doing mission work over there for two weeks. And I'd get back on a Friday, I'd preach five times on the weekend and then on Monday I'd get on a plane and go to America. Like I was passionate, I was doing the work of God, but the way I was living was actually damaging my emotions and my physical well-being. In the end, my body and my emotions kind of shut down and said, we, we refuse to live at this pace. And it wasn't just something I could snap out of. I'd, I'd been violating the Sabbath principle. I'd been working without enough rest. And so I had to make some adjustments. I had to slow down. I had to get released from some commitments. I had to move some things off my plate. And eventually, with some help of a coach and some prayer from friends and some changes in my life, after about six months, I came out of that valley and started to feel emotionally full again. You haven't been back in that valley since, but I know where the edge is. You know, it's a little bit like when you go over the gutter, you know where the gutter is. And so what about you today? Um, are you applying the Sabbath principle by making sure you've got time for rest and relaxation? You know, even the productivity experts today say uh, we should be managing our energy, not just our time. Time is important, but energy is also very important. And having a healthy rhythm of activity and then rest is so vital. You know, all of nature is like this. You know, the tide goes out, the tide goes in, the sun rises, the sun sets. We breathe in, we breathe out. Imagine if you breathed out all day. It's not going to be a good day. You've got to breathe in as well as breathe out. If we put your heart on one of those ECG meters, you'd have a rhythm like this. Your heart would look like this. If your heart's got a flat line, you're in deep trouble. No, we need a rhythm of activity and rest and engagement and disengagement. So Sabbath is that breathing in element, that rest element from the activity. And so we can then start the week or start the next day from a place of fullness rather than emptiness. Finally, another way to apply the Sabbath principle is to take time for reflection and contemplation. The Sabbath day was a time for people to pause, to be still, to reflect about their life, its meaning, its direction, and God's activity within it. It was a time to reconnect with the holy, the sacred, and recharge spiritual batteries. Again, Jesus took regular time aside, as you know. And so what would it look like this week just to make some time, some moments for reflection, to be still, just to pause 
from our noisy, wordy world. Uh, meditation, reflection, stillness, <laughs> contemplation are all really important. It's so, busy to, it's so easy to be dominated by the clock, and the clock is all about speed, but there's another instrument called the compass, and the compass is about direction. <laughs> if you're going fast in the wrong direction, then you're not being very effective, and so Sabbath is a way of pulling out the compass and going, where am I heading with my life? Am I heading in the right direction? That's what can happen during those times of contemplation and reflection. Uh, I've used the analogy before. If you've got a bucket of muddy water, you can kind of just keep stirring the water and it's going to stay muddy. But if you just wait, you just pause, if you just be still for a moment, eventually all the debris falls to the bottom and you get some clarity. This is one of the gifts of the Sabbath principle is just learning to be still and, and finding that clarity in your heart and life. And so which aspect of the Sabbath principle spoke to you the most today? My, my goal in this message is not to give you another five things to do. I know you're really busy. But as we look at being transformed to be like Jesus, we look at all these spiritual disciplines, the Sabbath rest principle is so vital. And so maybe for you, it's just a, a fresh commitment to church gatherings this year, just, just to make it a priority in your schedule to gather with other believers. Maybe it's some time each day through the week to read God's word. Maybe it's investing more time with family and friends and not letting them feel like they're getting the leftovers of your time and energy. Maybe it's just more time for rest and relaxation for yourself or or just blocking out some time for reflection and contemplation. Sabbath is not another thing to add to our to-do list. It is a gift from God, a gift from God for our benefit. You know, in the Old Testament, they killed you if you didn't keep the Sabbath. Nowadays, we just kill ourselves if we neglect this important principle. It's the key to an abundant and a full life. Let me pray with you today. God, thank you for these few moments together today as we're making a a, a fresh start this year and looking at some of these amazing disciplines that we're not doing to earn favor with you. We're not doing them as a mark of spiritual maturity. We're doing them to position ourselves for transformation. So pray for every person listening today, Lord, that this Sabbath rest principle would just speak to them, resonate with them, and they'd be able to not only hear your word today, but apply it to their life because it's in the doing, not the hearing that change takes place. And so I pray right now for fresh strength for those that are feeling weak or tired. I pray for refreshing for those that are feeling stressed and anxious today. I pray for a refueling right now that for those that feel they're running on empty. Just breathe upon us afresh with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for this wonderful gift, the gift of Sabbath rest. As we apply it to our lives, we can know that joyful life that you have for us and be a blessing to those around about us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Bayside. Always good to share with you. Have a terrific week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.